Hey there, welcome to this episode of the Skiff Meetings Podcast, the podcast for curious professionals embracing the future of business events. My name is Miguel Lampsch, and I'm the editor-in-chief of Skiff Meetings. And in this episode titled Brand Building, I have the pleasure of speaking with Matt Kleinrock, the CEO at Rockway Exhibits and Events. Matt is an expert at building booths and helping companies make the most of exhibiting at trade shows. We cover some of Matt's insights and his journey, including things like going from an exhibit house to becoming a strategic partner, what is the right way of doing a face-to-face activation, why you need to think like a marketer and tie exhibiting back to business goals, why branding, sales, and content are a great mix for most companies, and some of the challenges of branding, including why talking about what makes you different is a better strategy than claiming you're just better. I hope you enjoyed listening to this conversation. I invite you to check out the other episodes of the Skip Phoenix podcast. You can find them on our website or by subscribing through your favorite podcast service. And now for a word from our sponsors, PHL Life Sciences, a division of the Philadelphia Convention and Visitors Bureau. Host your convention or trade show in Philadelphia, one of America's leading life sciences hubs. PHL Life Sciences, the first and only CVB division of its kind, will connect you to the professionals at the forefront of your industry and to a culture you can only find in Philadelphia. A city known for its rich history that's forging a bright future, Philadelphia challenges the expected and defies convention. A world of discovery is waiting. Visit phllife.com to learn more. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Skift Meetings podcast. Today, I am delighted to have with me uh, Matt Kleinrock, the CEO of Rockway Exhibits and Events. Matt, thank you so much for joining us today. Miguel, how you doing, man? I am well. I'm well. We spoke recently. I was on your podcast recently, and I thought it would be good to have you on our podcast as well, um, so we could continue our conversation a little bit more. Um, but we've only, you know, recently met, and I'd love you to introduce yourself and talk a little bit about your your journey. Um, how did how did you get to be the CEO of Rockway Exhibits and Events? The, yeah. Um, so pretty simple journey, right? I mean, I'm from New Jersey, born and raised. Um, And uh, pretty much when I was about my mid-20s, a guy that I knew from my neighborhood, much older than me, but we had a relationship because I grew up, I played golf. I was a good, I played high school golf and college golf. Um, You know, he was a golfer. He was in the trade show business. Uh, We had a really good relationship. And um, he had a company in New Jersey and he was looking to open another company in Orlando. So not another office, but an entirely another company. Cause at that time he was really a distributor and he was a distributor for Nimlock, uh, which was a manufacturer and still is in the trade show industry. And he basically, uh, saw something in me and was like, Hey, look, you know, let's start something down in Orlando. Uh, we'll start small. We'll piggyback off my business. He's like, what you really need to do is sell right now, sell, learn the business. And We'll just grow it kind of grassroots organically and we'll see what happens. Um, and I felt like at 25 is just the best opportunity that I had in front of me. So I just kind of went to town, cold calling, trying to learn it, talking to people who were exhibitors, you know, um, sold, sold, sold. And kind of here we are 12 years later, uh, have built the business up nicely. You know, him and I are partners in the business. We ended up merging the two businesses, the one from New Jersey and the one down here. And um, 
that's that's kind of how I got here. And just to clarify, so what does Nimlock do, or what are, what were you selling in that case? Was it the services? Was it the exhibition so back, design? Back in the day when we started, the distributor model was a little bit more relevant, right? So you had a, a a manufacturer like Nimlock, right? They built trade show exhibits, and then they they manufactured uh, systems that were used for trade show exhibits. And they have distributors all over the country that are regionalized and they sell trade show boots, but they're basically sales offices. And then the manufacturer would handle them. Um, we started off that way, but kind of as we started getting into like 2014, 15, we just realized that that model was going to kind of go away and we needed to be a more conventional exhibit house, which is why we started working on our own branding. We started buying our own inventory, building uh custom rental exhibits in-house, bringing more of the um, more of everything we were doing in-house from design to fabrication. Um, yeah. And so what do you do today? What does is, what is Rockway kind of specialize in today? And you mentioned exhibit houses, but I feel like you're putting quotation marks around that, that, that yes. expression. <laughs> How do you like to be referred to? And tell me a little bit about what you do today. I think that's a good question, right? Like, I think that's an industry question that we have to start answering. Um, the term inside the industry is exhibit house, right? When someone says we're an exhibit house, you basically understand that they design, fabricate, and then sort of logistically support you at trade shows, right? That's what they do. Um, we're, I would say we're evolving from that. Um, you know, when people ask me what I do, it's a tough thing to explain really quickly, but I've kind of gotten to the point where I just tell people um, that I own an event marketing company. And then I say, really what we do is, you know, we do strategy, we do design, we do physical fabrication, and we logistically support large companies at their trade shows, conferences, and events. Um, and that's, that's kind of how I explain it because that really is what we do. Uh, and then... Sometimes I'll use a reference saying like, hey, have you ever been to a big industry conference? And then they do. I know the conference and we start talking and they're like, oh, wow, you guys build that. And it kind of goes from there. So when you say, OK, so you're supporting clients at trade show events, let's say somebody's exhibiting it at a massive trade show, you custom designed their, their booth, their, their space, you build it and then you set it up. You basically, you know, give them the keys to, to the castle once they show up. Yeah. So. Most of our customers come from or originate looking for a trade show booth, right? That's what they do. They come in via marketing or we're prospecting and they have a trade show that's coming up or they have multiple trade shows throughout the year and they need a trade show booth. But I think what we really do for them is we're not just saying, hey, look at this catalog, show us a trade show booth you like and we'll sell it to you or rent it to you. That's not really what we do. Um We've evolved more into the strategic side of things where we're saying, okay, you know, you're going to go spend $300,000 over the next seven months at two trade shows. What are your goals? Why are you at those trade shows? What are you looking to accomplish? Uh, who is your audience? What is your brand all about? Um, do you have a new product, right? What's your narrative? What's your story? We're really making it into a marketing conversation and trying to understand what are you trying to accomplish? What are those KPIs? What are those goals? And then from there, once we have sort of this organic understanding, 
We're then saying, okay, let's go design a trade show booth that aligns with everything that you're trying to accomplish. And then with that, let's also talk about, you know, offsite activations, your pre-show marketing, um, and really trying to get our clients to treat their trade shows, events, and brand activations like a campaign where they can go drive results and uh, get measurables, obtain data, and have success. That sounds really interesting. It, it does sound very much more strategic, and it sounds like you're expanding a lot. When you talk about um, activations and the marketing do you also do those services? Do you have partners that you sort of suggest or how, how, do, how do you help them achieve those things? Good question. So on the activation side, yeah, we do activations, right? So really our sweet spot is, of course, trade shows, right? Uh, the other sweet spot we have is in events. Typically, if somebody is hosting a user conference, a national sales meeting, um, any type of event where they have sponsors and exhibitors and a small exhibit hall, we are really good at helping them design the layout of the event and then build the structures and sort of upgrading their event, the registration desks, the entryways, the archways, the lounge areas, um, the exhibit hall, we are able to provide them with, you know, five by eight, 10 by 10, 10 by 20, 20 by 20 hit style exhibits that their sponsors can buy from them to keep things uniform, uh, to also make them a little bit high end uh, on the event side. And then where we do activations uh, is like, I'd say one of the bigger activations we do, we do like a 6,000 square foot activation for Publix, which is a big grocery store food chain uh, at the Tampa Bay Buccaneer games. So we build them out this outdoor um, style activation there. So those are really the three places we do. So we do the activations ourselves. They're similar to a trade show. It's just that they're either outside or at a hotel or in all different places. And um, you mentioned the marketing as well. Is that something you also help clients with? or do you So the marketing ones, in, it, that's a really good question. It's an interesting part, right? Because yeah, because you could do all this, but if you don't get the marketing right, it all falls apart, right? If they don't get the yeah. message out properly. And what, you know, if I'm being completely honest, I would say we don't do the marketing for them, right? Because they are a company, they have a marketing department. Typically we're working with that department. We're like a bridge. We're almost like a guide. We're almost saying like, okay, what is the campaign? And they're like, well, we don't have one. It's like, okay, well, you know, we need, we need to create one. We need to start thinking this way. Um, we encourage them to, uh, you know, do pre-show marketing. We'll give them ideas on how to collect data, what data is good, what data is bad. Um, you know, run an offsite activation. Let's throw a happy hour. Let's do this. You know, we give them kind of ideas and guidelines. Some people don't need it. They're very good at it. Some people do. Uh, and then I think it, what it also shifts into is the finished product on the trade show floor, meaning we can design them a conceptual trade show exhibit that goes with their theme and their story and their narrative, but you have to finish it off with graphics, with elements, with tones, um, you know, with raffles and engagements and games. So though that's where we're really steering them to make sure that the finished product truly tells the whole story. Um, and it's really just getting aligned with their marketing department. And then look, yes, if they need help on some of those things, uh, we can help and we have resources to do so.
And I think I think it's always interesting. I, I hear similar things from a lot of event tech companies, and I think there's that sort of desire to provide clients with what they're looking for. But there's also that danger of trying to be everything to everyone, right? Like, because your clients can ask for all these things, but then if you then become a, a marketing agency as well, then uh, it's, it's quite, quite heavy lift, right? It's hard, right? I mean, it's, it's, you know, we have some clients that are very good marketers and they come to us with themes and stories and ideas. And they're like, Hey, we want to go, you know, and we're like, Hey, cool. Let's run with this. Some they're just looking for a trade show booth to show up. And that, yeah. those are the ones we have to get their minds in a different direction, in a different mindset. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the ones who do want to do experiential things, want to tell a story, a narrative, um, essentially, we have to push them into technologies, engagements, and kind of push the boundary with them, you know, mm -hmm. but it, you're right, man, like it's, there's a fine line. Um, and I think it's how receptive the company you're working with is, how good is their marketing department, how aligned are they? But ultimately, you can't be their marketing department. These are big companies, right? So yeah. they're, at the end of the day, it's tough to integrate. You're not going to integrate yourself. Yeah. And do you find that it's it's kind of linear? The, the companies with the most resources are the ones that know what they're doing? Or is it actually not not that simple? Um, that's a good question. Uh I, I would say it's not that simple, right? Like we've, we're currently working with a company that I would say is probably smaller and we're working with the president of the company, but they're growing. They certainly have the finances to do something well. And actually I had an interesting conversation. One of my AEs came in my office. We had designed this really cool concept for them, very out of the box, right? But it tells their story. And now their graphic designer was getting involved to actually give us the graphic files. And they were kind of not telling the story with the graphics. We were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And he said, I don't really know what to do. And I said, hey, man, you just got to go back to the president and this person and be honest. And, you know, their president's response was just incredible on the email. It was like, hey, if they're telling us this, we need to listen, pay attention, and let's have a conversation about it. So they're smaller, not as much resources, doesn't have some marketing heavy department, but they have somebody that is, I think, as I'm talking through this with you, it's like, do you value face-to-face -face marketing or not? The people that don't value it don't really care and they're just going to run with it. They just want to show up. But the people that value it, they want to do it the right way, whether it's a marketer, a CMO, a VP of marketing, a CEO, a president, doesn't matter. I think it's whether or not they value face-to-face -face marketing and are really looking to drive results and do it the right way or not. I like that. Can we dive into that a little bit deeper? You mentioned the right way and face-to-face, -face, you know, valuing face-to-face. -face. What does that look like in practice? And if you want to share some examples, very happy to go there. Or if you have any kind of theories of what you think is really crucial to make for making kind of in-person activations, face-to-face -face activations really tick, right? Because we talked about budget, okay. but it's not necessarily a budget thing, right? It's not necessarily like throw money at it and it'll just suddenly work, no. right? What do you think is the magic sauce in your in your mind? All right. So uh, how do I break this up? Okay. So two, so there's kind of two parts to your question, right? One is the vet, like who values it and why. And then the other part is like, how do you do it right? Right. So 
I think what's interesting is I do firmly believe the longer I've done this and trying to uncover, you know, like peel back the onion is there's just too many companies who are spending a lot of money on event marketing, conferences, trade shows, events, virtual, all this stuff that they really don't value the face-to-face. They do it because they always have. They do it because they feel like they have to sponsor the audience and the industry. They just show up just to show up. And what ends up happening is that that trickles down into the person that's handling it. They don't have measurables. They don't have KPIs. And it's just this kind of, well, let's just use the booth we did last year, or let's just make sure it's just this very, the bar is set very low. So those people are not going to be much in, you know, they're not measuring, they're not tracking. They don't really care. They view the spend as just a throwaway spend. Um, People that do value it are people that are being more intentional and strategic. They're not just showing up to an event because they think they have to. They are trying to get in front of their audience. They're trying to get in front of their audience the right way. And they're there treating it like a true marketing channel, which is exactly what it is. Somehow, like over the last 20 years, trade shows has gotten this. It's just a thing that companies do. It's not a thing. It's a marketing channel right? That turns into sales. So it has to be treated that way. Uh, And I think people that value face-to-face marketing feel that they get results from face-to-face marketing are doing things the right way. Um, And they they need to do it the right way. They're saying, hey, we just spent $700,000 this year on trade shows and events. How is this affecting pipeline, right? Is it affecting pipeline? Are we adding pipeline in the top? Are we moving pipeline from the middle to the bottom? Are we selling people? Are we closing? Are we raising brand awareness? So I think that's the first piece of it. You know, what you said, uh, our best clients value face-to-face. They want to be at those shows. They want to get results. Um, how do you do it right? Right. Is the second part. I think, I think it's much, it's not a budget thing. I mean, look, you know, you could, you could do a 20 by 20 trade show booth at a conference in Orlando and spend $70,000 and do it right. And you could spend 200,000 and do it right. And that's a vast difference, right? Um, I think it's about step one to me is being intentional. Why are you at the show? And what are you trying to accomplish? Very simple. If you don't know those two things, you're just showing up to show up. So once you know those two things, then you start having a detailed conversation about your audience and your customer. Who are they? Why are they there? What is the problem that you solve for them? Um, really trying to learn as much as you can about the audience. The third thing is your brand. You got to know your brand. What makes you unique, right? How are you positioning yourself in your industry? Um, Far too many companies just overpay to look as big as the competitor when really your audience is not stupid. They know that you're not as big as your competitor. So stop building a trade show booth just to be as big, rather build something smaller, but be intentional, right? So it's like the why, being intentional, understanding the audience, your brand positioning, and then it's putting goals together. And when you can do those things, you can then be strategic about how you show up. Um, Are you going to be in a 10 by 20 because it's a smaller show? You don't need a big presence. Are you going to be in a 40 by 40 and have a big presence because it's your big bang of a show? Um, Are you going to sponsor something? Are you not? What are you going to sponsor? Why? It's um, the people that do it right are just intentional and they're thinking like marketers. I mean, just, just imagine a marketer that's spending $20,000 a month on Google ads, but is not driving results. 
right? Like for some reason, the attribution on Google ads and digital marketing is like tracked and is so important to everybody, but spending $500,000 and 30% of your marketing budget is not, it's crazy. Yeah. That's something we we're we're talking a lot about. And, uh, I, I think that's, that's really interesting. And I'd like to jump a little bit further into, into branding. Cause I know that's something that you're very, very keen on, but going back to this, this Google attribution thing, and you know, now that we have this thing where the cookies will end soon. So Chrome's going to stop yeah. uh, having cookies and sort of tracking people around the internet is going to be way harder. And there's a, there's a sort of prediction out there that events are going to gain even more importance because they're going to be even more important as sort of sources of data and sources of leads. Um, are you seeing people wanting to track things in the same way as they track Google at trade shows? Are they asking those questions more than they have before? So to what you said first, I think a really good example is we have a, we have a new client who literally shifted about half a million dollars of Google ad spend into events. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty telling because it's just getting, it's getting, it's not even just all about the cookies. That's a major piece. I mean, 100%, but it's about the fact that like anything, it gets saturated. Mm -hmm. Digital is getting to the point where Google SEO, AdWords, uh, Facebook marketing, these ads, it is super saturated. It's very difficult to get someone's attention, push the message across, get conversions. Um, you know, when it comes to attribution and that stuff, I, I even think that people have done it wrong for a long time. They, you know, everybody's looking for the sole source of where a lead sort of derived from, but essentially it's not that simple. The way people come to you is it may be a, uh, a submission form on your website, but how did they get to your website? Did they see an ad in, on Google? Did they see an ad on Facebook? Did they meet you at an event? Did they talk? You just never know, right? So the, that exact dialed in attribution model, I think is difficult. Now, when it comes to the marketing side and events, I think people want to, but I think they don't know how. And I think it is difficult. There's some people who do do it and they do a very good job, but it's not as simple as saying, you know, we spent a hundred thousand dollars and we returned a million from this show. Um, you should be trying to do that, but I don't think it's always that simple, right? I mean, how many of the people who come to your trade show booth are current customers, right? So what impact does their experience with you have on their lifetime value, their spend for that year, things like that. Um, you should be able to be tracking at your trade show top of the funnel. Who's a brand new customer? Never even heard of you before, right? Brand new. And you work that lead from trade show to end. That one's got to be tracked. Uh, but what about the middle ground? What about people that have heard about you? What about people that have known who you are? They're in your newsletter. They have a salesperson calling them, an account, you know, whatever. Um, how does that show impact them? Does it move it down the funnel? Does your website traffic spike during your events? There's, there's all things that you should be tracking. I think it's just very difficult to do, but at the end of the day, event marketers have to find a way to prove the worth of their spend, um, and their event marketing program. And I think that all dials back into what are your goals and what is leadership looking for? It's not just dollar in dollar out, although that is important. 
So, I mean, part of what you're talking about is ROI, right? That return on investment. Yep. And so you're yeah. saying figuring out how much you spent and how much you get back is important, but it's not that linear to understand that that trade show had an impact unless it was a you know direct conversion it's very hard to kind of attribute it in the same way as, as google ads and things like that would are you ready to celebrate your successes in the world of meetings and events the skift meetings awards are back for 2024 recognizing the most innovative business events companies across 15 categories and we want you to be a part of it winners will feature on skift meetings sending a clear signal to events professionals around the world that these are partners they can rely on the final deadline for submissions is june 11th we encourage you to start your submission today to secure the best entry rates for more information and to start your submission head to live.skift.com So what's your take on, on ROI? I mean, you've mentioned a few things that people should be measuring. Um, you know, I think we can sit here and say you should be measuring 100 different things. I think in yeah. practice, very few people have the resources and the capabilities to do that. Yep. If you have to choose, yeah. you know, two or three things that people should really be focusing on, what would you choose? So in the beginning of what you said, when you talk about Google Ads and attribution, I think a really good like hole to poke in that is you can see, hey, a lead came in from a Google ad and you would label the source of that as a marketer, a Google ad, right? Mm -hmm. And you would attribute that to the spend that you have for Google ads. And when it closes, you're like, hey, we closed a $50,000 deal from a Google ad. But what if they heard about your company because of content on LinkedIn? They Google searched your company name and the first thing that came up was an ad versus an organic page and they clicked on it. Is that really attribution for a Google ad? I don't think so. I think it's attribution for LinkedIn and content. So that's kind of the shift I think that's, that's happening there. Um, measurables at trade shows and events, right? That's the second thing that you asked there. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a very valid point. So I'm glad you bring that up. And I think Google doesn't really cheat, but they sort of make it look like they're the attribution, you know, that, that they're, they, they can be accounted for everything. Yeah. But yeah, tell yeah. me about what, what you're thinking, you know, when you're working with clients, uh, and you're having this conversation about the return that they can expect, what are you kind of, what are you saying they should measure? And how do, how should they measure that? Really good question. Um, I think it really, so I think it really varies on what, what they sell, right? Uh, I think it really varies on their um, uh, jobs, uh, uh, their sales cycle, how long it is, right? Is it a three-month sales cycle? Is it a 24-month sale? I mean, you got some software people sell big stuff that they are, their average sales cycle is like 24 months. You know, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, so I think you have to understand those things. Um, and then you have to tie back to what are the business objectives for being at that trade show, Right or at an event. Um, you know, for example, one of our customers, the one that throws the brand activation at the Tampa Bay Bucks games, they are not looking for any attribution, any conversion. They're not looking for a person there, nothing like that, right? They understand that the community that they're throwing that activation in, they are a staple in that community. So in a sense, it truly is brand awareness in that sense. So things that you would measure there is like brand um brand affinity type stuff 
-hmm. So you do like an exit survey when they're there, asking them something simple, but very specific. You can't say, how do you feel about this brand, right? That, I mean, that, that's, it, it doesn't help you. But what does help you is say something like, you know, what percentage of your grocery shopping do you do at this store? And you measure that because if year one of that activation, it's 50%, and then it grows to 70% in year three, year two, you know that you're you're building affinity within that, you know, in that community. So that's a good example of like measurables depend on goals and depend on, you know, the situation. Mm -hmm. um, for trade shows and events, look, I think you should be trying to quantify we spent $200,000 to be here. And did we sell anything directly from being there? I think you have to try to do that. Uh, but those lead sources are tough off, right? Like, you know, you scan a badge, you have a conversation, it goes into your CRM and you label it trade show. But these big companies, I mean, this person could be in their newsletter. They could be getting follow-ups from Dave in Pittsburgh for the last six months. So how do you really say that, you you know what I mean? That deal closes. I would be encouraging people to look at things like the number of genuine qualified leads, whether they've in your marketing system or they're brand new, doesn't matter to me. It's like, what was a qualified, good conversation that you feel is going to either be, it's already in your pipeline and it's going to accelerate or mm -hmm. you're putting it in your pipeline and you have a good chance at winning it. Uh, like those things I think matter. Um, is it then, almost like the uh, quality of the conversation, you know, kind of saying, hey, I had 10 conversations that were really advanced today and that has X value? Yeah. I mean, I think that when you're having them on, on the show floor, the biggest mistake that people make is they just scan, 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 scan. That's why you need a software. That's why you need to have somebody doing data entry and information and putting voice notes. Like if you talk to Debbie, right, and you have this incredible conversation, you need to put like, Debbie's never heard of us, just spoke to her. They're an ideal client. She's looking for a new vendor. Uh, I would even put personalization notes in there, right? Like things like Debbie lives in Philly and she's a crazy Eagles fan. Yeah, you know, you know what I mean? Because now that data, it's all about follow-up. You very rarely are just closing a person on the show floor where you're like, meet them, close them. It, you know, it doesn't work like that. So no. how does that integrate into your follow-up? But yeah, I mean, you, you have to have that information. So valuable. Yeah. You've mentioned branding a few times, and I've noticed, you know, branding is, is a big part of, of what you do and what you talk about. Um, I'd love to get your take on branding. Um, you know, what do you feel it is, but also how do you measure it? Right. Cause we've talked about this kind of challenge of attribution. And I, I believe that branding is super important. You have to show up, you have to mm -hmm. somehow create an image of your brand and what you do in the prospect's minds, but measuring that and activating that. They're, they can be quite complex. I'd love to get your take wherever you want to start. It's a good question. Branding. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> branding is one of those things I think could go either way, right? There's some companies that were that are absolutely massive that have a terrible um, aesthetic brand, right? It's not that great. They didn't overthink it. They didn't plan and design it. It's not cool. It's not sexy. It has nothing to it, right? But their product is good or whatever. Um, to me, I think brand, I think aesthetically it has to be what you want, whether founder, 
CMO, CEO, you know, like you have to turn your brand into a little bit of a story as to who you are. You should be able to speak on it. It should, uh, it should give off a vibe and aura of who your organization is to a degree, right? Um, I think people take pride in what their brand looks like aesthetically, but then underneath that, I think is the more important stuff, right? Um, what do people think of your brand? What do they think of, especially if you're a major brand, right? Like if you're working with Heinz or something like that, like Heinz ketchup, I don't know. Right. And you, you know, and I was a marketer there and I was doing a major event. Let's say you had a series of 10 events, 10 consumer events, right? The first can, and they're, they're all very similar-ish events, maybe 400 people per event, 500 people. I don't know. I'm just making it up to give a scenario, but at the first event, I'd be asking something like, what are your thoughts on the Heinz brand? And I'd give maybe five options or maybe leave it open, right? And you're starting to understand what people's feelings are towards that brand because in essence, everybody wants their brand to be felt about a certain way, right? By the work you do, by the people who represent your brand, by the mission that you're on, by the problem that you solve. Everybody wants a, a, an affinity. Everybody says brand awareness, brand awareness, brand awareness, right? Um, brand awareness is, is an interesting thing, but it really dials back to do people know about you and what do they feel about you? And do they understand what you do? You know, those, those kind of three things. Uh, and I think that's marketing's job. It's marketing's job to communicate the messaging, the story, the narrative of your brand. I mean, we're smack in the middle of trying to do it. I mean, we're an 11-year-old company and we're kind of reinventing ourselves in the last year and a half. You know, we're going to, you know, we're building a new website. We're going with all new messaging, all new narrative because um, we've changed, you know, we're different. We think there's a different future. So yeah. that's, so, you know. Let's, let's dig into that a little bit further. I mean, you're also exhibiting, you're also doing mm -hmm. branding exercises, right? Marketing exercises. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about your approach and, and kind of the, the reasons behind it? Yeah. So we like, we, we, we try to eat our own dog food, right? So I, <laughs> I think we, we have to exhibit and do live events because it's what we do for others. So we have to walk, you know, if we're going to talk the talk, we have to walk the walk. So essentially like we go through our own process to exhibit. We're talking about what's our, why, what's our intention, who's our customer. What do we think about our brand? How do we position our brand, um, which I think is a very important one. How do you position your brand in your market? Like not everybody can be Heinz ketchup. You're just not like they're the category leader, right? So, how, you know, who are you if you are, you know, tomato ketchup or something or whatever your name is? I don't, I don't know, right? Like you have to find your positioning and be able to, in a narrative, explain your position and why it's different. Not better, because nobody cares about better, because that draws comparison. People want different. So I think it's, it's how do you do that? So yeah, I mean, we, we go through our own process, the same one we put our clients through. We ask ourselves the same question. And really, at the end of the day, we're trying to tell a story about our brand that we think relays back to the problems that our customers want and need to solve. It's as simple as that. That's all you need to ask. 
it's not that simple. No, it's so hard, man. It's so hard. But but that's, you know, marketing, like a lot of things in life, is taking something that's complex and trying to make it simple, right? It's, 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 it, how do you simplify something that's not simple? So, you know, to your point, it's, it's not that easy, but man, I'll tell you what, you got to fight like hell to do it. You got to fight to have a message. You got to fight to tell a narrative and tell a story about your company that resonates, that hits, that your ideal prospect is like when they see an ad or they, they go to your website or they see your content, they're like, man. That's what we want to do. Like, that's where we want to go. Um, you know, so you're constantly trying to learn your customer, listen to your customer, and then turn that into what you offer um, and some kind of story. So you mentioned different, not better. And I thought that was quite interesting. In your particular case, Rockway, how are you different to the others out there? Really good question. Really good question. Um, so we talked about this a lot. And when we went to a trade show recently, right, we positioned ourselves, we had a theme in our trade show booth, we made our trade show booth look like a boutique hotel. And then we had a podcast area that looked like we were podcasting in the lobby of a hotel. So the reason that we did a boutique hotel, because boutique hotels do a couple things, right? They're intentionally designed. We feel like we intentionally design trade show exhibits and they have personalized service. And we feel like we give personalized service to our clients. And those are two things that they need. That's one aspect. The second piece of it is it's positioning, right? We are different in our industry because I think our industry has levels just like anyone does. We have some very big exhibit houses, we'll put quotes around it, right? That have been around for 50 years plus. They're a hundred million plus. They have every resource under the sun. They're very good at what they do. They're massive, but they're a little big. They're a little slow, uh, probably slow to change. Uh, you know, if you're not a million dollar plus client or 5 million plus client, they really, you know, you're probably not going to always get the time of day that you should. You're probably working with a junior person, right? So the position we thought we could take was we're, we're smaller, right? Um, but we kind of felt like we are boutique ourselves. We're high end. We do really good work. We do really high level, strategic, intentional design, personalized work. Um, but we're small enough to give you the person that, that attention, that attention to detail um, that I think some people can't get at bigger shops. And then those people, they don't really want to work with companies that are like lesser than us because they're, I don't want to call them chop shops, but they're just like, they're kind of turn and burn exhibit houses. They'll sell you anything. So that's kind of how we positioned ourselves in terms of how we think we are different. Uh, it's that intentional strategic approach uh, and personalized service. I like it. The couple of things you've also been, you've mentioned a few times. One is this idea of, um, surveys or exit surveys or at least having kind of like having conversations and asking specific questions so that you can either tag people or get some sort of data on on how they feel about a brand uh i i wonder 
if that's something you would recommend everybody to do, because that's obviously an extra resource and you have to have either someone, you know, kind of doing that pretty much full time, right? You can't be sort of managing the boot and then step aside and go, oh, wait, let me let me ask you a question before you leave. That, that would be super awkward, right? So that's an extra resource. Is that something that you would always recommend? And then second question, hopefully they're connected, is you also mentioned creating a podcast at your booth. Um, is that something that you also recommend that idea of sort of content creation while you're doing the the trade show activation? Yeah, so I'll, I'll say the the second part first on the podcast. I mean, look, when you go to a trade show, you're at an event. I mean, you are there to stand out. You're there to garner attention. You you know, you, you have to do something that that stands out that 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 is different. Uh, and then you have to be able to meaningfully engage with your customer. I think running a podcast or a, a live show, a talk show, whatever you want. I mean, if you don't have a podcast, who cares, right? But the podcast engagement play does a lot of things, I think. A, it draws attention. When you set up a podcast studio and you have lights, camera, people, looks like a conversation's going on, you do a lot of things. It garners attention. You get to talk to your ideal customers, because you're inviting them on to tell their story, to talk about the industry. So you're getting that knowledge. You're also developing content. I think that people need to be developing content why they are live and in person. Develop content for the remainder of the year. Also makes you look like a industry leader, right? And it's, uh, you know, we are in a day and age where content is king. So go produce it. That podcast gives you that ability. Yeah. Um, and Quick. I think it's a very non-salesy way to, to talk to somebody. Yeah, just on that point, I think, does it not take you away quite a bit from other conversations? Because you're sitting there recording the podcast, even if it's a quick mm -hmm. one, like 15 minutes, you mm -hmm. see other people that you know walking around. I'm sure you're nodding and other things are happening. Yeah. Is it not quite challenging to be able to sit there and concentrate and focus on that one person for 15 minutes when there's so much happening? I just think you have to have the team set up to do so, right? Like when when we ran it in our booth, I was talking to everybody and then I have um, our person from our marketing team came and produced the podcast. So we were focused on the podcast. We were focused on the guests, focused on the personalization of the conversation, getting to know them while three of my other team members were really working our booth. They were, you know, getting people to come in to get them signed up for the podcast. It was, it was an opener to a lot of conversations without, because I think a lot of times on the show floor, people get. Like they need to like grab people out of the aisle and be like, hey, do you want to, you know, it's like, I, I just think that's a tough scenario, right? It's like a meat market. You know, you got to find a way to creatively engage. I mean, the number of people that walked up and were like, hey, what are you guys doing over here? It was pretty cool. So nice. it's an easier conversation, less salesy, gives you really good reason to follow up. You're like, hey, here's this video clip of you talking on the show. You said this thing about A, B, and C. It was awesome. You know, yep. so it's. A little more relationship driven, I think. And do you also have audio for people at the trade show kind of to listen in? You have a way for them to listen or is it really only for the for the home audience afterwards? We didn't run it live, right? Yeah. I think that's something that we we talked about we may want to do at another time. I'm not sure where we would run it live. We don't really have a big Facebook audience per se, right? Um, I mean more for the people at the show. So you're not being interviewed, but you're on the oh, you're I get like what you're saying. curious. Got what you're saying. Yep. Can you hear what's going on? Because it's really loud at trade shows, right? Unless you have some headphones yeah. or some speakers, nobody's going to actually be able to follow the conversation. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think our space was big enough, right? Like we were at 10 yeah. by 30, so we're 300 square feet um, at this show. 
So I don't think it was big enough to have speakers and be playing it in you know an audience and think I think it would have been disruptive to other people around us, which is not really fair, right? right. Um, we talked about it, like how could we amplify this a little bit? But no, we didn't do it. Yeah, and and so back to my first question in terms of having that extra resource to capture kind of yep. extra data is that something that you're a big yep. believer in? Yeah, I am for sure. Right? I mean, a I think it comes back a little bit to data. So when you go to events, everybody's fighting over data, right? The organizers, the sponsors, everybody. So when you're there, you need to be capturing your own data, your own information, your own feedback, because you're there with people in person. But I think sometimes it's too generic. So if you're going to do a survey or an exit survey, you have to understand, you, you have to be, you can't ask just mindless questions just to ask them. You have to ask questions that are specific. Um, you know, it's like interviewing a person. You're not just going to, you know, you're not like, you know, when you're hiring someone, hey, tell me your story. That's a bad question. People can just say whatever they want, right? But you ask very specific question. Tell me about a time that you made a mistake and how you held yourself accountable and learned from it. That's a specific question. So I think in, in to answer your question, when you're doing surveys, it's what are you wanting to learn? Is it to learn about the audience? Is it to learn how they feel about you? What are you wanting to gain from the survey? And then you cater the question around that and be specific. Yep. And then have the resources to actually get people to answer those questions, right? Because that's the, the challenge when you're, when you're yeah, live. It, you know, Miguel, like that's a tough, it, it, yeah, that's hard. It, it, it's, you know, can you set up iPads? Can you, you know, there's all these interactive kiosks now where you could, host a survey and just post them where people sit on the way out and say, Hey, would love for you to do it. So you get who you get, or maybe you have a person standing there next to three kiosks on the exit and say, Hey, we'd love if you did an exit survey, it'll take one minute. Right? So there's ways to do it. You do have to understand your resources though. Uh, and I do think there's a lot of softwares that help you organize that data. So you don't always have to do it yourself. Great stuff. So starting to wrap up, but as you mentioned software and the kind of technology, just wondered if there was any technology either in the, the building side or the support side or anything that you're particularly excited about that you maybe are offering clients or that you're using internally. You know, I guess what I'm saying is what are the exhibitions or what are the boots of the future look like in your mind? And are there kind of new tools or new things that, that you're seeing that, that are quite exciting? So we're, I personally am trying to get a better understanding of technology in a lot of areas so that we can guide our clients to what they need specifically. Cause there's a lot of tech, there's a lot of companies, there's a lot of software and they don't all do everything, but they seemingly do some stuff really well. Um, so, you know, for example, I had a, a woman on my podcast at exhibitor live who was talking to me out of a problem she has with hosting an event and a software she needs. And I just knew from doing my research which software I would recommend to her because there's a lot of event softwares, but I knew which one to recommend based on what she was telling me her problem was. So A, it's we 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 don't have a software, we don't create one, right? But we're trying to get an understanding of it. And then when it comes to technology on the show floor, look, lead lead capture softwares are very important, right? Uh, so going beyond a badge scanner and having something that integrates to your CRM organization notes, voice notes, 
uh, understanding, you know, were they at a presentation? Were they at a demo stand? Did they see a product demo? Like where, where were they? You know, you can locate things. There's all different kinds of things there. That's a big one to have, which, which uh, we're working on relationships to be able to, you know, get our clients to use them. Right. So we're educated. Um, and then look, the technology is evolving. Like the led walls are getting cheaper. Uh, the capabilities that the led walls have, are, are expanding, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, interactive displays, gamification is expanding. Um, there's a lot, you know, there's holograms and robots and, and AR and VR and all that stuff. It sounds great to talk about, but it's about the application. How are you using it? Because it all comes down to, you know, you could say, oh, we have a, we have a VR thing in our booth, but if the headset is, you know, me hitting home runs out of Yankee Stadium, who cares? What does it have to do with me, the problems I have, and what you can solve for me as a company? So it's, you have to use tech to engage your customer meaningfully. But yeah, I mean, there's there's all kinds of cool stuff. It just depends how you use it. But I will say on that note, one of the biggest hurdles I'm seeing is our clients do not have people that can develop the content to use the cool stuff that they want to use. So we're, we're trying to help them with that and say, hey, we have this partner. You want to use an interactive display, an LED wall. You want to create a game. They're going to create the content for you because the engine is easy. You get it from a tech company. But what about the content? How personalized is it? That has to be created from, from scratch at times. Absolutely. I think that uh, tech can really kind of be fancy and can be impressive, but if it doesn't connect to the the objectives, then it's 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 a waste of resources. It's just, right? it's just there, right? It's just it's just cool. Yeah, good stuff. Well, Matt, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I wanted to uh, wrap up by asking the question that we always use to to wrap up the podcast, which is, I'd love to get a a suggestion from you of someone else who should be on the podcast and why you'd like to hear them on the podcast. Um. So two, two people, one would be, uh, Ryan Shefke, um, from Captello there. What I was actually just touching on was a lead capture software. He was on my, my show, my podcast at the live event at exhibitor live. We had a really interesting conversation about what he calls lead capture strategy. And I think too many people are winging it. Right. So I think he would potentially be a very good conversation and really valuable to your audience, number one. Um, and I think another interesting conversation would be, um, uh, I always mess up Bill's last name, but Bill, I think his last name is Hinchcliffe. He owns IPME. They're the container company. Um, they are doing some really cool stuff in events with containers, very, like customization, um, trade shows, outdoor events, indoor events. He just does some awesome work and he's a cool dude. He's a fun conversation. Great stuff. Thank you for both of those recommendations. We'll definitely follow up. And uh, thank you for sharing your knowledge. I think it'd be really, it's been a really interesting conversation, branding, exhibits, trade shows, design, all sorts of things. Um, and uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, seeing what Rockway does next and uh, hopefully uh, seeing you in person soon. Thanks, Miguel. Yeah, it was fun. I appreciate it. Thank you, Matt. Bye-bye.